Welcome to FPC Meridian Sermon Podcast. We pray that God's hand would be upon you as you listen to the faithful preaching of His Word. Let's begin. If you have a Bible, please turn to the Gospel according to John chapter 12. As uh, that song by Steve Green, uh, Broken and Spilled Out, really depicts the story that you're going to hear from the Gospel of John. It's already found, it's also found in in Luke and, and Matthew and Mark. So it's, this is a, a wonderful story of a woman. And your outline is in the bulletin, so I hope you'll follow along in the outline. And you know, today we're going to continue in the series that we've been in for a number of weeks. Um, the series is entitled Journey to the Cross, the Daily Events Surrounding Holy Week. And so today is Wednesday, according to Holy Week, a day of contrast. This is part four uh, from uh, John 12, 1 through 11. My sources include Rich Hansen's The Week on Which the World Turns, uh, commentary by William Hendrickson, the New Testament commentary from the Gospel of John, and Bob Deffenbaugh's studies, highlights in the life and ministry of Jesus, R.C. Sproul's commentary on John from the St. Andrew's Expositional Commentary, and then a message by Lee Eklov, Wasted on Jesus. And so, typically, we stand for the reading of God's Holy Word. You can stand where you are, if at all possible, as this is the Word of God. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Lazarus being the brother who was raised from the dead. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you. But you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for the inspiration of your Holy Spirit in this story. Help us, Lord, to understand the setting and to understand our place in this story. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. My mentor is Dr. William M. Flanagan. Dr. Flanagan, who was my pastor from the age of eight years for many years after that, and then was my boss for about almost 10 years in two different churches. Uh, he's taught me a lot through the years. A lot of lessons I've learned from Dr. Flanagan. But there's two that stand out this morning. Number one, he taught me to avoid extremist. Balance, he said, was the key. 
And if you know anything about what's going on, if you've been watching the news, you'll see both extremes on the news about the coronavirus. You'll see the extreme to the left where someone says, I don't need to worry about this. You know, who cares about this virus? I'm going to die anyway. I don't care. And so they don't take it seriously. And then there's those on the other extreme that are completely frantic. They're having a meltdown because it's really got them so afraid. Balance is key, Dr. Flanagan taught me. Second thing Dr. Flanagan taught me was if you lose your sense of humor, you're dead. You've got to keep your sense of humor. And you know, the way some people have responded to this pandemic, uh, it's made me think about Bill Engel. You know who Bill Engel is? Bill Engel of blue-collar comedy fame. He's a funny guy. He's the one that's known for the here's your sign jokes. Engel says this, stupid people should have to wear signs that just say, I'm stupid. That way, he says, you wouldn't have to ask them anything. It would be like, oops, excuse me, never mind, didn't see your sign. If you need an example or two, here's a couple of his jokes. He said, my wife and I moved. Our house is full of boxes and there's this moving truck in our driveway. It's crazy around our house. And my neighbor comes over and says, hey, y'all moving? Nope. We just pack up our stuff once or twice a week to see how many boxes it takes. Here's your sign. A couple of months ago, I went fishing with a buddy of mine. We pulled his boat into the dock and I lifted this big old stringer of bass and this guy on the dock says, hey, y'all catch all them fish? Nope. We just talked them into giving up. Here's your sign. Last time I had a flat tire, I pulled my truck into one of those side-of-the-road gas stations. The attendant walks out. He looks at my truck, looks at me, and I promise you, he says, tire go flat. I couldn't resist. I said, nope. I was driving around. Those other three just swelled up on me. Here's your sign. He said, I stayed late at work one night, and a co-worker looked at me and said, you still here? Nope. I left ten minutes ago. Here's your sign. You know, when it comes to the seriousness of this pandemic, I was in the fourth grade when John F. Kennedy was assassinated. There's some things that you never forget where you were. I can still remember the the young man who was probably a sixth grader running down the hall screaming, the president's been shot. The president's been shot. I didn't know what to think of that. It was the first tragedy in my lifetime in which the whole country literally sat glued to their black and white television set and in their shock sought a way to, to grieve together something that we're doing right now as we together as a nation need to be grieving and praying and pulling together and helping one another. You know, I didn't know it at the time in fourth grade that years later, my wife and I would live in Dallas, actually be able to sit on the grassy knoll, see the book depository building and where allegedly Lee Harvey Oswald fired the shot that killed the president as he rode in the motorcade with his wife through downtown Dallas. Trust me, there are lots of unanswered questions about the assassination of John F. Kennedy. But at the same time, there are many unanswered questions about the death and the plot that led to the death of Jesus Christ. People have tried to blame Pontius Pilate, the Jewish leadership, the Romans... And Judas Iscariot. 
And of all the players in the crime that led to Jesus's execution, Judas, he really tops the list for most people. Why? Because he betrayed a friend. He betrayed a friend. And today, I want us to remember one thing. Judas's betrayal was not something that came out of nowhere. As a matter of fact, the betrayal of Jesus by Judas was decreed from the beginning of time. Now, that may be strange to you, so listen to this verse from Luke chapter 22, verse 21 and 22. But the hand of him who is going to betray me, Jesus says, is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to that man who betrays him. So this was not a momentary lapse on the part of Judas. It was a well-planned event. But, you ask, since it was planned by God, why hold Judas responsible? Okay, the answer is simply because God holds Judas responsible. And this gets us into a whole other discussion, which we won't chase today, but I do want to mention it from Acts chapter 2, verse 23. This is Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. And listen to what he says. He says, this man, talking about Jesus, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, Put him to death by nailing him on the cross. So right in that verse is the plan of God for Jesus to die. But yet it was the wicked men who put Jesus on that cross. So yes, there is a a little bit of a tension when people ask about the whole thing of the sovereignty of God, the decrees of God versus the choices of man or the will of man. And we believe in both. We believe in both and affirm both because the scripture affirms both. And so I say to you, why hold Judas responsible? Because God holds Judas responsible. And there's several reasons. Number one is because Judas was never a sincere follower of Jesus Christ. Do you remember the miracle of the the feeding of the 5,000? I mean, what an incredible miracle to take some fish and some bread and, and multiply those by the, by the miracle of Jesus' hands, and all of a sudden, all these people could eat. And so Jesus knew that after that miracle, the people would keep coming back to him for more bread, for more food. So he taught them that they didn't need to keep coming to him for bread because he was the bread of life. Now, the experts on the life of Jesus say this was a turning point in the ministry of Jesus. In fact, John chapter 6, verse 60 says this. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And a few verses later, we read in verse 66, which, by the way, this is John 6, 6, 6. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You know, why is it that some people follow Jesus and then after a while they stop following Jesus? I don't get that. It's, it's difficult, isn't it? But John, writing years later, said this. They went away from us because they did not belong to us. Because if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going proved that they did not belong to us. So people, a lot of times, are along for the ride. Who knows why they're along for the ride? But again, with Judas, he was never a sincere follower of Christ. Listen to verse 64 of John 6, 
John 6, 64. Jesus says, now, there are some of you who do not believe. And then it says, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. So it was no surprise to Jesus that Judas' heart was just never in it. So that's the first reason that God holds him responsible. Secondly, because Judas was filled with grandiose ambitions. It would appear that Judas joined the disciples because, because he thought this was a group that's going places. Even on the night he betrayed Jesus, Bible experts have determined that it was Judas. It was Judas that was seated in the place of honor Right next to Jesus. So during that last supper, Jesus is seated with Judas right next to him. And many suggest that Jesus put Judas there because he wanted to give him one more chance to not go through with what he was planning to do. When Judas joined the band of disciples like the rest, he was an unbeliever. But even though the other disciples became believers... Judas never did. And so are you a sincere follower of Jesus Christ? 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 19 says, The Lord knows those who are his. So look, Judas may have followed Jesus, believing that he would be on the ground floor of a revolt against Rome. And when that didn't happen, he decided to cut his losses by taking the 30 pieces of silver that had been offered to him by the chief priest. So on Wednesday, after witnessing Mary's extravagant act of worship, Judas determined that he's going to also commit an extravagant act. So why hold Judas responsible? Because number one, he was never a sincere follower of Christ. Number two, because Judas was filled with grandiose ambitions. And number three, because Judas was self-serving. You know, I have to admit something to you today. I'm a very selfish person. I admit that. I think about myself and my needs a lot. But you know what? I'm in good company. Philippians 2.21 says, For everyone looks out for his own interest, not those, <clears throat> not those of Jesus Christ. So taken to the extreme, this whole self-serving nature that we have in us, it can become very dangerous. There's another verse of Scripture in the New Testament that says this, Do not give the devil a foothold. It says that to say, Do not give the devil a place. That's Ephesians 4, verse 27. So Judas, at some point in his life, at some point in those three years, he gave the devil a place in his life. He gave, he gave the devil an opening in his life. Jesus called him, Judas, a devil. A devil of all things. In John 6, verse 70, when Jesus says this, Have I not chosen you, the twelve, yet one of you is a devil? On Thursday evening, as the Last Supper was underway, the Bible says in John 13, Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas. He gave it to Judas because he was sitting right next to him. He gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas, listen to this, as soon as Judas took the bread... Satan entered into him. I mean, we're talking about demon possession at that moment at the Last Supper. So this event, the betrayal of Jesus, was predicted by God, but it was propelled by Satan. So who's responsible? I mean, is God responsible? Did the devil make him do it? You know, when all is said and done, we must place the responsibility for the sin of Judas where the Scripture puts it. Squarely. 
squarely on Judas himself. Now, in the time remaining, I want you to think of the contrast between Judas and Mary. Between Judas and Mary. Here's the first. Mary's act led to fame. Judas's to infamy. So, in verse 3, in our text, once again, listen to this. Then Mary, Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. First of all, which Mary are we talking about? You know, Mary is a very common name in Jesus' day. But a little study will tell you that this Mary was the sister of Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead in John 11, and also Martha. Do you remember Martha? Well, I want to remind you of Martha. In Luke chapter 10, this is when Jesus was getting to know Martha and Mary and Lazarus. In Luke chapter 10, it says this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. You know, Martha is always getting a bad rap because she was busy taking care of people, busy in the kitchen, so forth. She had a sister called Mary. This is our Mary in the text who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And so she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. (laughs) And I love this from Jesus. Now listen to this. Martha, Martha. When you, when you hear your name twice, you know you, you better listen up. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. How many of us could be said that is true of us right now? I mean, we've got a lot to be worried and upset about. There's a lot on our plate, a lot on our minds. All the things that are going on in this world with our economy. I think more people are worried about the economy than their health. What are you worried about today? Jesus says to you, few things are needed. This is verse 42 of Luke 10. Few things are needed. In fact, indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What did Mary choose? She chose to sit at the feet of Jesus, to listen to Jesus, to understand this is where I need to be, worshiping the Lord Jesus. So Luke tells of a woman one time who lived a sinful life in a town and who anointed Jesus' feet at the home of a Pharisee, a Pharisee that was very critical of Jesus, if you remember the story. But but that's a different story than this one. This is a whole different story. This incident that we're talking about today in John 12 happens, according to our text, at a dinner that is attended by Mary, Martha, and Lazarus shortly after Lazarus has been raised from the dead. We read in Matthew and Mark that this dinner happened in the home of Simon the leper. Now, would you go to a dinner in the home of a leper? Probably not. But we assume what this means is Simon the healed leper. Because Jesus healed Simon the leper. So it was an occasion, a gratitude dinner, to celebrate Jesus' healing of both Lazarus and Simon. 
Now, the expensive perfume spoken of here was pure nard, the text says, probably imported from India, probably worth about a year's wages. Of course, you know, Judas knew that because he was into money. It was about 12 ounces, so you can picture the size of a can of Coca-Cola, and it was intensely fragrant. So something this valuable was probably a a family heirloom, uh, perhaps passed from one generation to another. So remember, Mary's own brother, Lazarus, has recently died. And this treasure wasn't even used at his burial. So again, she saved this and she pours it. She breaks it open and pours it on the feet of Jesus. You know, some of the disciples, according to Matthew, some of the disciples were really upset about this. John says it was only Judas. But again, especially Judas thought this was very, very inappropriate to to break open this, this expensive perfume and pour it on the feet of Jesus. But I want you to focus on the fact that Jesus loved, Jesus loved what Mary did for him. So much so that he said in Matthew's gospel account, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 13. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And look at here. We are, we are hearing about it, aren't we? We study about it. We love hearing about what Mary did for Jesus. But then listen to what comes next in Matthew's gospel. 26, 14. Then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. And from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. And I have to ask, do, do you think Mary knew that she was anointing Jesus for his burial. One of my sources is William Hendrickson, and he thinks so. He says, Mary of Bethany was perhaps the best listener Jesus ever had. The woman who now anointed Jesus' feet was the same one who had previously been sitting at his feet. If even the enemies of Jesus knew about the predictions Jesus had made concerning himself, his death and resurrection, can we not assume that Mary knew fully as much. And I believe Mary knew exactly what she was doing. She believed that very soon Jesus would be put to death by his enemies. Would his friends be even given the chance to anoint his body? She didn't know. And so in her mind, this honor, which this was an honor, must not be withheld. And Mary believed that she owed Jesus so much. Why did she break open this jar of perfume? Because she loved Jesus. She knew what Jesus had done for her and would do for her by going to the cross. She also was indebted to Jesus because he had raised her brother from the dead. As a result, she decided to anoint him in anticipation of his coming burial. It was now or never, she thought, and we're still talking about it. So the first lesson here is Mary's act led to fame and Judas's to infamy. And then the second lesson is Mary's act showed that she was a giver, Judas a taker. For Mary, money was simply a means of expressing to Jesus her love and her devotion to him. She gladly gave to Jesus her best gift. But for Judas, money was something to be gained and something to be hold on, held on to. Money spent on Jesus in Judas's mind was considered a waste. 
So look in the text again, John 12, look at verse 4. But one of the disciples, one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. And then look at verse 6. John is writing this years later and says, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And so... We, we look at Judas and see what kind of person he was. And we have to ask ourselves this morning, are we any different? You know, we can live two ways in the midst of this pandemic. We can live like this with open hands. Or we can live like this with closed fists. Which way are you going to live? How are we going to live in the midst of this? We can withhold our best from Jesus, or we can give him all we have? Do we take what we have and spend it only on ourselves and only care about ourselves? You know, right now, money is going to be a big topic, a hot topic. And so for the believer in Jesus Christ, our faith is going to be tested. Are we going to trust God? Are we going to honor God with what we have? Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So as we see in our text, the last straw for Judas came at this dinner party at the home of Simon the leper. Lazarus' sister Mary foolishly, at least in Judas's mind, crashed the party so that she could break an alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume and pour the contents on the feet of Jesus. She did this, though, to honor Jesus. And Judas was enraged. What set him off? Some believe he felt compelled to get something back for his three years of investment in this failed enterprise with Jesus. So taking 30 pieces of silver would, would compensate him for something better than nothing. The bottom line, once Judas was paid the 30 pieces of silver, he started looking for a way to betray Jesus. So clearly, he did it primarily for the money. You know, proving that the old adage is true, that when someone says it's not about the money, generally speaking, it's about the money. And then the third lesson and final lesson that we'll learn this morning is Mary's act showed her devotion to Jesus. Judas's showed his hypocrisy. When Mary poured out her perfume on the body of Jesus, she was actually pouring out her heart to Jesus. Hers was a heart that was filled with love for Jesus, with gratitude to Jesus, devotion to Jesus. Now, the vessel in which this this perfume was stored generally had a rather long and narrow neck. So you could actually break it or open it at the top and the fragrance of the perfume would only just trickle out. She She wouldn't do that. She broke it so it just spilled out all over Jesus. I mean, according to Matthew's account, it wasn't good enough for Mary just to to sprinkle it on Jesus. She wanted it broken in such a way that the ointment came gushing out all over the body and feet of Jesus. So to be like Mary, you need to think like Mary. Are you like Mary today or are you more like Judas? Mary was so extravagant in her love for Jesus Christ because she had spent so much time Learning from Him. Listening to Him. Loving Him. 
Now remember, whether you're here in this sanctuary or not this morning, you're in church. So be honest. Isn't it true of you that you pour out so little because you fill up so seldom? Hard question. Isn't it true that you pour out so little because you fill up so seldom? This was a dinner in honor of Jesus at the home of Simon the healed leper with Lazarus as the guest of honor, a man who came back from the dead after being dead in the tomb for four days. And yet Judas thought that Mary's worship was excessive. So ask yourself, has my worship ever been like Mary's? Has it ever been like Mary's? Oh, I mean, we we appreciate Jesus, we love Jesus, but have our hearts been stirred like hers? As I said earlier, many commentators agree that in Mary's mind, she knew. She knew what Jesus was facing that week in just a couple of days. So she reasoned that this would be her last opportunity to show Jesus just how much she loved him. Maybe today you're, you're thinking about this contrast and you're thinking about another contrast, the contrast of your own life. And even though every single face reflected anger or disappointment over the actions of, of Mary, one face reflected a deep appreciation and love for what Mary had done. And that was the face of Jesus. The face of Jesus. He didn't want anyone worrying about the expensive perfume as if it was a waste. Jesus wanted everyone to know that what Mary had done, she had done for him. And that's why he said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. Do not chide her for this. Leave her alone. She's done this for me. And that brings us to our verse of the week, which is Hebrews 10, verse 22. Hebrews 10, 22. If you have a bulletin, you can read it uh, silently along with me as I read it. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. So the question of the day is, do you love Jesus? Is Jesus Christ Savior and Lord of your life? Could be that based on the life that you live today, like Judas, you could also be called a hypocrite. You know, like Judas, you say one thing, you do another. You talk a good game, but inside your heart's pretty cold. It could also be that you're not so much a hypocrite, but in your heart of hearts, you remember a time when, like Mary, you sat at the feet of Jesus hanging on every single word that he said. But then something happened. It's called life. Life happened. And you've grown cold in your devotion to Jesus Christ. So in the midst of a a once-in-a-lifetime wake-up call, this coronavirus pandemic If you still don't get it, as comedian Bill Engvall says so well, here's your sign. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for giving us opportunities like this pandemic to stop, to think, to pray, to worship. Thank you for the opportunity through live stream that we're able to to worship together this morning, uh, not only in this community, but across states uh, today. And so we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to draw near to you. We thank you for Mary on this holy week of Wednesday. Thank you that, Lord, she was 
so broken by what was coming for you, what you were about to do for her, and what you'd already done for her, that she broke that jar of perfume and poured it all over your your feet. And Lord, today, I pray that you'd break our hearts. Remind us, Lord, that this world is not all that there is. That as followers of Christ, as believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, we, we belong to another kingdom, an unshakable kingdom that will one day be our permanent home. And so thank you, Lord, that even in the midst of the time before then, we live in that kingdom. And so give us grace in this difficult time, in this world in which we live, to remember the two kingdoms we live to live, live and belong to. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes upon you, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before you endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider you, yes, Lord, today we consider you and all that you suffered on our behalf. And I pray that you prepare our hearts, Lord, to be different people, not only in this pandemic, but different people forever. As we put you first in our lives and and grow in our love for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for meeting with us today. And in the name of Christ our Lord, I pray. Amen.